Lord, we come before you and just give you thanks for who you are and what you've done. Thank you, Lord, for taking uh, just the time to love us, uh, taking the time to leave us your word that we can draw from, Lord, and learn with and and just grow uh, into ladies that will be pleasing unto your sight, God. Lord, I pray for all the other workshops going on that you will be just working in every single room and in every single heart of every single woman that is present here today from the youngest, Lord, to the oldest. Uh, thank you that you always have something to share with us. And, and as you've shared uh, just treasures with us, help us to apply it. Lord, give us the strength to do so. And God, um, again, just go before us. We love you, Lord, and we thank you, and it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. So the workshop today, um, I'll go ahead and read it just to make sure you're in the right one, right? Um, overcoming evil and surrendering to Christ's definition of womanhood as he calls you. So just um, overcoming evil by surrendering to what the Lord has for us as women or how he speaks to us as women. And um, one of the things when the title of the workshop was mentioned, the first thing that came to my mind was, there are so many like girly, elegant women at Calvary, Miami. Like, what am I? Like, what? Are, why, you know? So the first thing that came to my mind was like the physical and how that's so of the world. And God had to remind me of that. And I had to apologize like, Lord, I'm so sorry, you know, um, because that's what the world does. The world you know, identifies women by by size and body type, right? I know what section I shop in, <laughs> you know? So it's like how the world, you know, just puts different labels on women and how in the word of God, there's no size or body type, you know, mentioned of women and how that is just so, um, you know, reassuring. And it's just such a sweet reminder that we are all fearfully and wonderfully made. And, you know, just looking, you know, here in the room and how we're all different. And, you know, God has taken the time to fashion each and every one of us. Um, I work in the school system and I do work uh, with elementary through middle schoolers this school year. Sometimes I'm assigned high schools. But so many times, you know, um, I'll hear, you know, girls just say, you know, miss, I hate what I look like. Miss, I hate my legs. Miss, I, when I look in the mirror, I just, you know, I, I hate it and I wish that I looked like, you know, dot, 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 you know. Um, and how it's just, you know, so sad initially, but then a reminder that when we don't see ourselves for who God sees who we are, how that can get so confusing and it can be so disheartening and it can be so stressful, you know, but rest assured that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Whatever flaws we see in ourselves, you know, where, where are we getting it from? You know, where, who are we comparing ourselves to? You know, just trusting that the Lord has created you and, you know, whatever, you know, hair you have, whatever, you know, again, body type you have, you know, whatever, you know, birthmarks. I remember, you know, when I was little, and you know, I have a little birthmark right here over my lip. And, you know, in school, some people would make fun, like, oh, you have a, a dirty spot on your face and blah, 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 and all this stuff. And then years later, there were ladies getting, like, tattoos of the birthmark in the same exact place. And I was like, that's right, I got it, you know. But what, what was so, like, rejected that now the world changed their mind and everybody wanted one. And now there's a whole bunch of different types of makeup to hide it, right? So we're back to square one. But, again, just... Who, who has Jesus said that you are? He says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And um, I did look up the word womanhood. That was the first word that I looked up in a, in a Bible app. And the word womanhood doesn't exist, at least in the New King James or King James Version or the NIV, which are the three that I looked um, that looked up in. But the word woman does appear many times. Um, in the Bible, and the first one is in Genesis 2 2. Um, you don't have to turn there, but in Genesis 2, 
Um, that's where, you know, God talks about uh, creating man and trees and the beasts of the fields and the birds of the air. And God says that out of, out of the ground. So out of the ground, he created man. Out of the ground, God created trees. Out of the ground, God created the beasts of the field and the birds of the air. But in verse 22, he says that he created woman from the rib of Adam. So even from the beginning of time, from the beginning of time, God has made that special distinction from woman to all the rest of creation. Where most of it was created from the dirt, here we are created from, from the rib. And how, you know, more and more so, there are so many blurred lines when it comes to identity of women or even men you know, and, and interchangeable and exchangeable and all of these things. But to the Lord, he had a specific purpose when created, creating women. And he did. He made us, you know, different. He even took the time in the beginning to, to purpose to create woman in a, in a way that was different than man and all the beasts of the air, uh, of the field and the birds of the air. So that was really neat to, to read that. Um, but we're going to go to a familiar passage of scripture. We're going to spend a lot of time there. Uh, and it's in John chapter 4. Um, the Lord was just so great in conquering, uh, I guess, insecurity in my mind. Like, Lord, did I really hear from you? Like, what, what, what is it? What is it possibly that, you know, that you want to do, that you want to say? Um, and early on, I believe that he put in my heart John chapter 4. So when Jean asked us to open our Bibles to John chapter 4, I almost fell out of my seat. You know, first in fear, because I was like, dude, what, you know, what can, you know, what can I possibly offer, you know, besides, you know, what Jean has, you know, shared with us. But again, it's not us, it's not Jean, it's not myself, it's not any of the other ladies sharing. It's really the Lord. Because, you know, the, the word tells us, and I believe it was shared, that, you know, apart from Christ, we can do nothing. You know, everything is possible through the Lord. You know, even that he would have a, you know, sinful person, <laughs> you know, like me, sharing the word of, of the Lord before you guys, you know, girls. So John chapter 4, we are going to go through it. Um, so bear with me. I do have notes. Uh, because my brain is scattered. I tell people as crazy as my hair is, that's how it is on the inside. So hopefully, you know, the notes will help out some. But John chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, Jesus left Judea and departed again to Galilee. And before chapter 4 and John chapter 3, um, you know, that's a chapter where Nicodemus approached Jesus at nighttime and was asking him, like, hey, what does it mean to be born again? And that's where we read, you know, John 3.16, where Jesus explained, listen, God loved the world so much that, you know, he sent, you know, that's where we read that verse where uh, God sent his only begotten son, Jesus, that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Um, but in John chapter 3 is where um, there is that encounter that Jesus had with Nicodemus. And also in John chapter 3, we learn about John the Baptist, who was um, in Judea, and he had learned that Jesus was there. So Jesus was in Judea, and he and his disciples were there, and it tells us that the, the disciples were baptizing. Um, but at some point, you know, Jesus... He left Judea and departed again to Galilee. And in John chapter 4, verse 4, it reads, but he needed to go through Samaria. Um, as we heard a little bit, uh, you know, with, with Ms. Jean yesterday, the Jews, they often avoided going to Samaria. Um, they avoided it, and they often took a, a longer road just to avoid that group of people because they didn't like them. And it caused me to think, you know, shamefully, how many times um, have I been at a workplace and I see someone coming, 
that for whatever reason, there's not a gelling happening there. And I purposely take a different way. I'm like, nope, I'm going to go that way. You know, and, and I, was, I was embarrassed with myself, you know, and I did. I'm like, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for the times where I have purposely just gone another way because I want to not see that person. And I don't want to say hello to them. And I don't want them to say hello to me because then I have to say hello back, you know. Um, or, you know, when are, when are times that I have, you know, purposely not gone to a place where I know that I need to be because I wanted to do my own thing. And how, you know, many times we, we miss out on a work that God wants to do through us because we're avoiding a certain thing, you know, or avoiding a person you know, that we don't particularly like or that we don't, for whatever reason, we think that they don't deserve our time or whatever the case is. Um, but, but to know that Jesus, he took the time to meet with everyone and no one was out of his reach. So far be it from me to decide, oh, that person, uh, no, I'm not going to speak with them today on purpose, you know. Um, so, you know, overcoming evil thinking and evil attitudes, you know, by surrendering to what Jesus did and what example, you know, he led for us in that, you know, have we done that? Have we avoided certain people just because, you know, we have our own little things going on um, and not surrendering to what the Lord would want for us to, to do and how he would want for us to share so verse 5, so Jesus, he came to the city of Samaria, which is called Sinkar, near a plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, he sat by the well, and it was about the sixth hour. So Jesus, it was about 12 noon, he came to the area where the, where the well was, and he was tired, and he sat by it. And I thought about um, a verse in Hebrews. Uh, it's in Hebrews chapter 4, where Jesus, he identifies, you know, with, with our difficulties. Um, it's specifically Hebrews 4, chapter 5, verses 15 and 16, if you want to write it down. But Hebrews 4, 15, 16 says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. So let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So Jesus was tired. He was physically tired. I know myself, I have the bad habit of going to bed really, really late and then waking up really, really early. And Miss Ellie, who's sitting here, she knows because she hears me sometimes. I went to bed at 1, and I woke up at 4.30, and I'm so tired. And honestly, I'm getting too old to continue doing that to myself. But I do. I have that habit. And sometimes I'm, I'm tired to the point of where I, like, want to cry. Like, it's, like, the weirdest thing. Like, I'm, I'm, like, I'm, I'm tired. I'm tired. And I want to cry. My family's like, what's wrong with you? But I'm tired, you know. And, and to know that Jesus understands that, you know, he understands when I'm tired because he was tired too, you know. Um, so if, if there's any struggle that you're having, you know, as, as a young woman, as a woman, you know, Jesus it tells us that he can sympathize with our weaknesses, you know, not just tiredness, but with our weaknesses. And that he was tempted the way that, you know, that we were tempted, yet he, he had no sin. So because he overcame weakness and temptation and tiredness, you know, we can come to him. You know, a lot of times when, when we want to know something, we, we want to go to the expert. You know, uh, the car broke down. Let's go to the manufacturer because they created the car and they know all the parts and, you know, whatever the case is, you know. We go to the, to the source. Jesus is our source. There's a weakness. Is there a temptation? Is there a tiredness? Go to him. He's an expert. He's been there. He's done that. He overcame it. And then we have that permission to come to him boldly. So how can we overcome, you know, the, the evil of giving into weaknesses or giving into temptation or, you know, in my case, having a poor attitude because of tiredness, you know, it's surrendering, 
you know, those areas of my life to the creator himself because he understands it. You know, it's hard. Um, sometimes when you have like a boss that they're hardly there, so they don't really know like all that really goes on during the day. And then they come in all fresh and dressed and, well, you need to do this and you need to do that. But it's like, but I have a million other things that actually have to get done. Like that can wait because these things are more pressing. But sometimes when there's a disconnect, you know, it's the communication isn't great. You know, but with Jesus, that isn't the case. You know, he knows, he knows, and he can always um, guide us and strengthen us and encourage us, and we can always get what we need, you know, from, from Jesus. So verse 7, so while Jesus was at the well, tired, resting, it's in the heat of the day, a woman comes to draw water, and the woman is from Samaria. And Jesus says to her, give me a drink. Because his disciples, they had gone away into the city to buy food. So the woman, like we learned yesterday um, when Jean shared, she went to the well at the time that most likely it was deserted. No one, no one was there at the time. There are other portions of scripture where we read about women at wells, and usually they're there in the nighttime. And usually it's not one woman by herself. When you read in the scripture, it's women at the well. So it's a group of girls hanging out, getting water, chit-chatting, you know, having a good time, um, really being accountable to one another. There's safety in numbers, right? But here you have a woman in the heat of the day all by herself, you know, um, and how sometimes as, as women, we can put ourselves in a situation where uh, we experience the dangers of isolation, right? Um, whether it's hiding with your phone, you know, looking at stuff that maybe shouldn't be, you know, looked at or, you know, going to a place that nobody knows where you are. Um, chances are, you know, you may bump into someone that you're not supposed to be bumping into, you know, um, but the, the safety of accountability, you know, letting other people know where you are, um, not being by yourself, you know, as, as a woman overcoming evil by avoiding that isolation, you know, um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, I, I, I work for the school system. And one of the things that, um, that I do is I conduct home visits. I'm, I'm employed as a social worker. Um, that's my profession. Um, so as a social worker, sometimes I go to the homes of students just to, you know, hopefully make sure that they're safe. Um, occasionally, occasionally we do have, you know, families that are in situations where they're homeless and they're living in hotels or motels. So myself, when I drive into a motel during the day with a 1.47 sticker on the back of my car, my brain is like, Lord, please don't let anybody from church see my car parked here at a motel at one o'clock in the afternoon. And then I call my husband, listen, if anybody tells you that they saw my car parked at a motel on 8th Street and que se yo cuanto, yes, it is true. But I'm social working, not just working. I am social working. So, but my prayer is, I'm like, Lord, and sometimes I even want to park backwards. But, you know, sometimes I should do that now that I think about it. But still... Yes, because then the car is parked right on 8th Street. So everybody that drives by, they're like, mira ese carrito, 104.7. Let me tune into the station. I am a Christian station. That lady, all of that, all of that. So, right, accountability. Let people know, you know, it's, it's important, you know, as, you know, even young men, you know, nowadays no one is exempt, you know. Usually when we're doing things in hiding, that's a check. That's a check in our heart, right? That's a check in our heart. Even the simple things, you know, going to a shopping store in hiding when usually my family expects me to be home at a certain time. I'm like, oh, I'm running late. I'm shopping. You know, am I really supposed to be there? You know, when I leave the store, I realize that I was not supposed to be there. You know, so it's not always you're there because of a bad thing. But really, you know, consider, you know, um, in the book of Proverbs 31, 
uh, the virtuous woman, you know, she considers a field before she buys it. So even in that, you know, before we're swiping tarjetica, opening up wallet, considering it first, you know, I'm speaking to myself, not to you. Um, but, you know, again, the woman, she went to that, to the well at a time where there was no one else there. And Jesus asked her for a drink of water. And the woman said to Jesus in verse 9, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And here, you know, she calls herself a Samaritan. She recognizes that he's a Jew. So, you know, is it, I'm not good enough for you to talk to me. What are you doing talking to me for? You know, or who are you speaking to me, asking me for water get it yourself right so many things that came to my mind you know and how sometimes you know um we do allow for that division one of the things that um, i remember gene sharing is that you know satan himself is the the divisive one he brings division and you know if you turn on the news the tv whatever the case is or listen to the news you hear how all of a sudden there's all this division. You look like this. You look like that. You came from here. You came from there. Don't talk to me. Or why are you talking to me like that? All of that. And it's almost like you see it. You know, like you see it happening all over again. And recognizing that when there's a lot of that division, where is it coming from? You know, where is it coming from? What is the spirit behind it? You know, so overcoming evil by, by knowing you know, what, what is the spirit behind things that are going on? You know, God calls us, you know, in the word to test the spirits. Where is this coming from? You know, um, and again, God is a creator of all. No one is better than the other one. Um, one of my kids, when they were little, came home and said, Mom, I'm gray. And I was asking, like, what do you mean that you're gray? No, because I'm not black and I'm not white. I'm gray. And I was like, what, <laughs> like, what is this? You know, so my response was, no, you are, and I said their name, you know, this is who you are. And you were created by God. God gave us our skin color. God gave us our hair type. God gave us our eyes, you know, because when you're, they're little, you know, they're looking around the classroom and they're comparing themselves, you know, but God made you who you are. You know, you, you are not great. You are so-and-so. You are created by God. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are, you are, you are. And how the word of God tells us who we are, he tells us. The world wants to tell us who we are. But God has already told us. So it's so important, right, to not look down on ourselves for whatever culture, whatever language, whatever the situation is, and not to look down on other people either because we're all created by the same God, created by the same God. And in verse 10, Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And in verse 10, you know, we, we read Jesus saying, if you knew the gift of God, and the word of God tells us that salvation is that gift. He is our gift. He himself is our gift. And a gift is accepted by anyone who will receive it. And freely Jesus has given himself to us. Uh, Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 and 8, it reads, Ask, seek, knock. You know, ask and you're going to find, you know, um, no, ask and it'll be given to you. Seek, you're going to find. Knock and the door is going to be open. So when we come to the Lord with humility and in faith, we receive that gift, that gift of himself. You know, um, I don't know how many times maybe you've knocked on a door and nobody opens it. And it's worse when you knock on a door and you hear the TV and you hear people talking and they don't open the door. Social work life, right? You know they're there. And they don't open it, you know, but how, how reassuring it is that Jesus is not the person who's going to keep the door locked even though he's there because he's always there. So you ask Jesus, he's going to listen. He's going to give. You seek him 
as was shared earlier, and I love it, how God confirms different things. You seek him, you're going to find him. You knock, and he is going to open that door, Matthew 7, 7 and 8. So how do we overcome evil? By accepting the free gift of salvation through Jesus Christ and surrendering our hearts to him. And how do we overcome evil? By asking, seeking, knocking at Jesus' door because we know that he's always going to reply. So verse 11, the woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get the living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock? So again here, you know, the woman is like, who are you? Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? Are you greater than our father Jacob? And as a matter of fact, he got the water here himself, you know, so you don't have anything to draw with. We already know that she had her own water pot. Here's a man asking her, give me some water. And, you know, the scripture doesn't say, but it made me think of, you know, since we already know the whole, the entirety of John chapter 4, um, you know, we already know about the situation of her life and her lifestyle. How many times has a man come up to her to ask her for something? You know, how many times? And how many times has, you know, did maybe she get negative things in return? We already know she got loneliness in return, and we already know she got a bad reputation in return, and we already know that she got isolation in return. Nobody wanted to be with her, you know. So, you know, here is, is a man, you know, asking her, hey, you know, give me some water, please. And, you know, just, just thinking that, you know, how do we respond when someone else maybe brings a past hurt and they may not even know that we're hurt by it and we react and respond in a certain way that is of no fault of their own you know how many times has someone pushed a specific button you know um and then we respond harshly or cynically or sarcastically because you know we're treating them according to what our feelings are dictating you know, so as women, overcoming evil by not allowing our past dictate our current responses to, to circumstances. Because then here, you know, as she's having this exchange with Jesus, you know, we're going to read now in verse 13 that he does. He captures her attention and he says to her in verse 13, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, the well water. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become a fountain of water springing into everlasting life. And I love it that Jesus starts with whoever. Whoever drinks of this water that I shall give him. You know, at first she's like, I'm a Samaritan, you're a Jew. Why are you talking to me? You know. There she's, you know, making that division of culture. Then, you know, I have a water pot, you don't. So that division of material things, right? And then here, you know, what water are you talking about? You know, kind of thing of, you know, I'm thirsty. Or she's there because she's getting water to quench her physical thirst. But Jesus is explaining to her, look, I'm going beyond that physical thirst. I'm going down to a spiritual thirst and how in the book of Ephesians uh, chapter 5 God encourages husbands to sanctify and cleanse their wives with the washing of water by the word so for the married women for the husbands God encourages them listen sanctify and cleanse your wife you know with the washing of the water by the word of God and how in the book of Isaiah 54, God tells us in uh, verse 5, so Isaiah 54, verse 5, that your maker is your husband. So even if you're a single woman in here, or even if um, you're a married woman and your husband uh, maybe does not feel confident or comfortable or maybe not even be interested to read the word of God to you, to talk about the word of God, you know, with you, 
you know, at the end of the day, our maker, our creator, our Lord, he is our husband. He is our husband. And he will sanctify and cleanse us with his word. So at the end, it is, you know, on, on us as women not to look to, to others to give us the word for us to be cleansed. We, we have the opportunity to spend time with our husband, our maker, with God. We open up the word of God and the word of God cleanses us. You know, um, not by our own strength or not by ourselves, but by his spirit, by the Holy Spirit. God, you know, the word of God is so good. You know, he tells us that the Holy Spirit is who gives us understanding of what the word of God says. So, you know, just encouraging all of us here, spending time in the word that we would be clean. And here Jesus is telling the Samaritan woman of that water that is going to spring up in her everlasting life. So she does respond. Her curiosity is piqued in verse 15. And she says to Jesus, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. So there we see how she's thinking about that physical water. Ooh, yay, I don't have to come over here in the heat of the day with a bucket anymore to try to get water. Give me some of this water so that it can fill me forever and I won't be thirsty anymore. And me quita este trabajo. It takes away this job, you know, that I have. Um, you know, but again, Jesus is not speaking of that physical water. He's speaking of that spiritual water. And how many times, you know, and again, I'm starting with myself. How many times have I gone to physical things to think that they are going to quench a thirst that I have when so when have I you know watched a specific movie because I'm gonna get my little romantic cheesy you know ideas of the day and put you know unrealistic expectations on other people but that's another teaching I suppose you know how many times you know or how many times do, you know, do I stop and get some sweets because I was stressed? So I'm dealing with stress by having some sweets that I shouldn't have. So as you think about me, you can pray for me because that is something that I'm asking the Lord to help me with. So I'm being totally transparent. So I'm looking to the physical to meet that spiritual need because God, and I know it, and I know it, right? So it comes to applying it. The word of God tells us, you know, cast your burdens unto Jesus because he cares for you. But sometimes I cast my burdens onto a bakery and the bakery doesn't care about me at all. Right. Jesus does, you know, so just applying God's word. How do we overcome evil? How? How do we overcome evil and how do we surrender to to the call of womanhood that God has placed on us is by trusting in the Lord. What, whatever our physical need is, you know, going to him because he can meet every single need that we have and going to him first, you know, when we have a need, you know, even if you think like if, if something is going on with you, you're feeling super, super upset or overwhelmed, who's that first person that you call? Whoever came to your mind, you know, that's your go-to person, but making Jesus that go-to person first, right? making Jesus that go-to person. And Jesus does put people in our lives that are a help to us, an encouragement to us, that, you know, help, help us grow in the Lord. But again, going to him first. So as she, the Samaritan woman, is asking about this physical water that she won't thirst, um, it tells us that she's not 100% comprehending, you know. Uh, and in verse 16, Jesus kind of switches the conversation from the water conversation, right? And he says to her in verse 16, John chapter 4, go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you have well said, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. And the one who you now have is not your husband, and that you spoke truly. So Jesus is going beyond the physical into the heart of the matter. So not turning to the worldly to quench our thirst, but going to Jesus, you know, for, for that attention, turning, turning to him. But when Jesus deals with the hearts, with the matters of our hearts, 
um, many times that requires us to surrender those areas of our lives that are not pleasing, actually all the time, in order to, to fully glean from the Lord himself, you know, to come to him freely, we need to surrender. Surrender those areas of our lives that, that are not okay. You know, so, so maybe I personally have not had five husbands and, you know, the, the, the man that I'm with, you know, he actually is my husband. But how many times have I gone to the same area of my life that is not pleasing to the Lord? Probably more than five. You know, so how many times have I two-timed the Lord, right? Whether it's with, you know, lyrics of a song that I listen to or a place that I go to where I know that it's not edifying, you know, to the Lord or conversation or gossip. How many times have I gone to that place where I know that it is not okay and where I know that it's not pleasing to the Lord, you know, and how Jesus, he knew it, he knows it, and he, he, he brought it up. He's like, look, you know, you're, you're not in a good place right now. You know, you're not. And, and he was speaking with her and he took the time, you know, to share with her and how we can come to the Lord with any circumstance. No sin is too great for him not to forgive. He died on the cross for all of them. He wants to. And sometimes when we're not wanting to come to the Lord with certain things, he takes the time to bring it up. You know, it's like as a parent or as a caregiver, when you know that a child has done something wrong and you're waiting for them to tell you so that you can have a conversation and hopefully make it right, but they're just acting like nothing happened or they're hiding from you or whatever the case is. So then as, as a parent or as a good friend, right, because sometimes it happens with our friends, you approach that person and say, hey, listen, what you did is not okay. Let's talk about this. What you're doing right now is not okay. And that's what Jesus, you know, is doing with her here. You know, he's just bringing up something very difficult, but not to ridicule her, but in order for her to be, to be freed. And that's what we're going to, you know, to read in a little bit. So in verse 21, Jesus says to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you neither on this mountain. Oh, no. So I'm backing up. So in verse 19, after Jesus brings up to her, her sin, her response is, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain. And you Jews say that in Jerusalem, that is a place where we ought to worship. So here's a person that tells her some, you know, difficult things that she's involved in. And her response is, oh, let me turn over to my Christian lingo that I know. Man, you must be a prophet. Let me tell you about what I know about worshiping God. Our fathers, they worshiped on this mountain. But you Jews say, you know, that Jerusalem is a place. So talking religiosity right? And, you know, how many times, again, you know, um, uh, is it easier to bring up that Christian lingo or praise the Lord, I'm in the victory of Jesus, but then not dealing with what's really going on, not dealing with those deep, deep rooted sins or those areas that God is wanting to bring to the forefront. And here she mentioned the spirituality of the forefathers, you know, so what is her spiritual identity and how it is so important that our spiritual identity is independent, that our walk with the Lord is independent, that we're not mimicking what someone that we admire spiritually may be doing, that we're not just copying or regurgitating what other people may say, but that we have our own individual, independent, unique relationship with the Lord and how we can overcome evil by having an independent walk with Christ and surrendering whatever pride or religiosity we have uh, to him so that he can deal with it correctly. So in verse 21 through 23, Jesus tells the woman that the father is looking for true worshipers, that spirit, uh, that worship in spirit and in truth, that the father is seeking such to worship him in, in spirit and in truth. And how worshiping God is not about the place. The Samaritan woman mentioned a mountain. It's not about the place. It's not about, 
you know, getting into the car and going to a specific building where there's music played and stuff like that. It's not about the place, but it's about the spirit instead. Is God leading us? Is Are we responding to God's call? And are we worshiping him without pretense? You know, in the truth, the word of God says that the truth will make you free. Are you, are we freely worshiping Jesus Christ because we're coming to him in truth? And the opposite of truth is a lie. So if we're, we're living a lie or parts of our lives are being hidden by lies, surrendering that to the Lord. Because we can only come to a true place of worshiping him when we worship him in spirit and in truth. And God, you know, we know he does not dwell in darkness. He does not dwell in lies. He dwells um, in, the, in the light. And verse 25, the woman said to Jesus, I know that the Messiah is coming who is called Christ. And when he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, verse 26, I who speak to you am he. So again, the woman, she doesn't realize that she's speaking to Jesus himself. And she says, yeah, when he comes, he's going to tell us all things. And Jesus tells her, I'm it. I am he. You're speaking with him. And how it's so sweet. You know, I was reminded of uh, John chapter 20 after Jesus um, was crucified and Jesus was buried and Jesus resurrected. Um, how Mary, she was one of the women that went looking for him and the risen Christ appeared to her. And at first she thought he was a gardener and she was crying like, where's my savior? Please give him to me. And, you know, and she's crying and all overwhelmed. And then, you know, Jesus responds, you know, and, and says to her, to her, Mary, he calls out her name. And then she turns around and she yells, teacher, you know, because she recognized his voice. She identified when Jesus was speaking with her. The woman at the well at this time, she was still not identifying that Jesus was speaking with her. But again, he didn't say, you know, forget you then. You're not listening to me, you know. I've been guilty of that sometimes, you know. Um, but he said, you know, Samaritan woman, I am he. I am, I am that Messiah that you're talking about, you know, and when the woman said that when the Messiah comes, that he will tell us all things because she said that I was reminded of a, of a verse, um, where, uh, I don't remember the exact address, but where he reveals the secret things to those that fear him. So if you, if you're a woman that fears the Lord, God will reveal to you the secret things, you know, the things which you do not know. I know that earlier today, Jeremiah 33, three was shared, come unto me and I will show you mighty things, which you did not know. So she was right that when she came to see the Messiah, that he was going to reveal to her things, which she didn't know. She just didn't know at that precise moment that she was already speaking with him. Um, and then at that point, when that exchange happened, the disciples came and they marveled that he was speaking with the woman, but they didn't say, who are you speaking to? Or why are you talking to her? Or he, they didn't ask the woman, what are you looking for? You know, so it appears that they came in to this situation and they didn't ask any questions. But at that point, the woman, she left her water pot. She went her way into the city and she said to the men, come and see a man who told me all the things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. So the disciples, they, they saw Jesus in this encounter with the woman, in this conversation with her. But it doesn't say, say that they said anything. And I wondered how many times, you know, have they, you know, how are they already accustomed to seeing Jesus having that one-on-one -on -one conversation with someone. And earlier uh, in this portion of scripture in verse 14, you know, when Jesus said, whosoever drinks of this water, how many times, you know, does Jesus, including us, he speaks to the whosoever's. She's a whosoever. I'm a whosoever. You're a whosoever. You know, and how the disciples, they... They've already seen Jesus having these one-on-one -on -one conversations. And I wonder if they were just waiting in expectation, like, so what's going to happen now? So what do they see? The woman drops her water pot and she books it. You know, she runs. And as she's running, she's telling people, come, come and come and see the man who told me everything I ever did. Listen, 
If I'm going to run anywhere, I'm not going to run and tell people, come and run and come and see the person, you know, who has told me of everything that I've ever done. I'd probably be hiding under a rock, you know. But again, how there is freedom in the truth and how the truth will make us free. And there is so much truth to that. There is so much truth to be excited when God has brought something to our attention that may be so embarrassing, but he brings it to, to the attention so that we can have that freedom, you know, to share it with, with someone else. Um, but when the woman, when I read that she dropped the water pot and went running, I thought about one of my kids that whenever they hear an ice cream truck sound, it doesn't matter what that kid is doing. They're going to drop it and run barefoot with chancleta, with one shoe on. Just run. And my response is, do you know how far that sound travels? How far really are you going to run? And do you have money? When you come across this ice cream truck, do you have money? But it's just that excitement. <gasps> I hear an ice cream truck. And, and running, running out the door with no shoes, no money, no nothing. You know, so I imagine that the woman, you know, she dropped her water pot and, and she ran. And as she ran and was, you know, encouraging people to come and to see the man who told her all the things that she did. In verse 39, you know, we read that many of the Samaritans of the city, they believed in Jesus because of the word of the woman who testified He told me all I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they begged Jesus to stay with them. So he stayed with them two days. And many more believed because of Jesus' word. And verse 42 says, And they said to the woman, the people, they said to the woman, Now we believe, not because of what you said, but we ourselves have heard him. And we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. And how God can use us to tell someone about Jesus, no matter what our past, no matter what our present, really, as long as we're allowing Jesus to, to work in us. But how important it is to share with others what Jesus has done in, in your life. You know, uh, I know that there are parts of my life that I'm not always so comfortable speaking about, but there are times when... I, I do, you know, sense that God is wanting me to, and I know that it's him because I would never want to voluntarily. But when I obey the Lord, because sometimes, shamefully, I will tell you that I don't because of my own fears and insecurities. But when I trust him and I open up that part of my life, I have seen God always use it. And how there are parts of your life, right, that maybe I have not experienced, but someone else has. And there are parts of your life, perhaps, that God has done a great, great work that is unique to you, that maybe I will never have that specific work done because I didn't, I haven't had that situation. But to allow God to use your situation that he has corrected, that he has encouraged, that he has built you up, that he has freed you from, to share it so that others can come to the knowledge of him. Not to share in a way to bring light or to bring glory to the sin, but to bring light and to bring glory to the Savior. Because as this woman shared that she met Jesus who told her about all the, 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 the shameful things that she had been involved with in, then others, they, they responded to that like, wow, there are sinful things that I have done too. And if he was able to help her, Surely he can help me, you know, and, and that's who Jesus is. And again, it's, it's so important to lead people to know Jesus, you know, as, as we close, because I do see the time, um, you know, earlier, the woman at the well, she spoke about religiosity, right? We spoke about that. She was mentioning the God of our fathers and worshiping on the mountain and all of that, you know, but then she came to realize that she had met Jesus. And I thought about a recent conversation that I had with a coworker where she showed me a video how she was singing an old hymn and her son, five years old, was singing back. And it was like, God this and God that and God this and God that. And it's super cute. He's five and he was so excited to sing about God. And then in the video that she was showing me, she said, oh, Jesus, you know, in excitement. And the little boy turns around because he was playing with the toy while he was singing in the video. 
And he turns around and he says, Mama, who's Jesus? And she tells me, Swanee, I was mortified. Here my son has learned all of these songs with me. And he'll sing about God. And he knows that God made the dinosaurs. That's his favorite animal right now. And that God did this. And that God and God and God. And that God, he split the, 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 the sea. And the, and the people walked through. He knows all these Bible stories. But he asked me who Jesus was. So she says, I felt like I failed as a mom. And I remember, you know, as Jean was sharing how no one is too young. You know, and I'll add to that, no one is too far away from the Lord enough that they cannot hear about Jesus and that they cannot accept Jesus. No one is too sinful. No one is too dirty. No one is too horrible. No one is too fill in the blank. No one is too dumb. Okay, no one. No one is far from the reach of Jesus Christ himself. And let us allow him to use us. Put ourselves aside, put aside who we are, what we've done, whatever, our own shame, but allow Jesus to use us in order to bring others to, to the knowledge of who he is. So overcoming evil by allowing Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sin and surrendering to God's plan for us as women, right, and putting ourselves aside and allowing him to use us to share our testimonies so that others would feel that they're able to come to Jesus too because they can. So may the Lord go before you. May the Lord go before me. May he use each and every one of us in our own sphere of influence, right? Because he has you at a specific workplace, family, whatever it is. He has you in a place where I cannot be, right? He has me in a place where you won't be, right? I'm sure you won't be in a hotel on A Street uh, knocking on somebody's door, right? Or maybe you will, hey, you know, for working, social working purposes, social working purposes, you know, um, but allow the Lord to work in and through you and then share it and then wait and see what, you know, what the Lord is going to do with it. So God, we, we thank you. We thank you so much that no one is too far from your reach. Thank you, Lord, that you take the time to spend one-on-one -on -one, uh, conversations with us and how you desire, Lord, um, to, to wash us and cleanse us with your word and how you desire for us to share our testimonies that others may come to the saving knowledge of you. Help us, Lord, to overcome evil by surrendering our lives to you and allowing you to use us and allowing you to have your way so that, Lord, um, we can be part of your kingdom work. God, we love you and we thank you and it's your name that we pray. Amen.